thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So whether you've had a really difficult week this week or whether you've had a great week, God is good, yeah? God is good. And actually, he never changes. He is all-powerful. He's almighty. And we've just sung, haven't we? What a beautiful name. What a powerful name. What a wonderful name is the name of Jesus. Because it changes. Jesus changes lives. The person of Jesus transforms who we are. I'm going to start today by just reading chapter 64 of Isaiah. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to chapter 64. If you haven't, it hopefully will come up on the screen. It might do. Corey's quite quick like that. Isaiah 64, just 12 verses, says this. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like what is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a wasteland. Even Zion is a wasteland. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned with fire. And all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? Tough verses in there, particularly at the end. Particularly at the end, verse 11. Everything has been destroyed. Everything is desolate. Everything is wasteland. And all that we treasured lies in ruins. Maybe that's the sort of week you've come this week. Maybe you've come and actually you're feeling that ruin. But I want to ask you a question. What are we waiting for? I could have stood here for ages. I think I've done it before. In fact, I think I might have spoken on this passage a few years ago. And I started by standing still for about two minutes and not doing anything. And then said, what are you waiting for? So I thought, I won't do that again, because that's a bit twee. Maybe it's a special event or occasion. Anyone got some weddings coming up? Yeah, okay, a couple of people. We've got a wedding next week. My niece was supposed to get married Easter last year, 
and her brother is beating her to it next week. So uh, that's how things have changed. And then we've got another wedding in November and another wedding next year in Easter and another wedding in June. And it's all exciting waiting for these things, isn't it? But actually over the last couple of years, people have waited and then they've not happened. It's been postponed, it's been put off. And maybe you've been going, oh Lord, why? Why? What are you waiting for? Maybe it's a special occasion. Maybe it's freedom of some sort. Maybe you've been waiting for that moment where actually things are a bit more normal. It's great that we can sing again in church, isn't it? Great. Because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. It's quite regularly. It's great to sing because we build, we build our eyes and fix our eyes towards heaven. Maybe it's a trip or a journey. Ian Salter, who's probably watching now, he's gone to do some work and actually he's still waiting to do the work about four weeks on because he's had to wait and wait and wait. And waiting is difficult. Waiting is tough. I'm going to ask you a question. Don't shout it out, but put your hand up if you know, okay? And don't Google. So anyone with phones, Corey, don't Google, all right? August the 5th, 2010, anybody? If you know, put your hand up if you know. What, what big event happened August the 5th, 2010? Nobody? I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> don't Google. In the meantime, I'll tell you later, okay? I'll tell you in a moment. If anyone Googles, there'll be trouble. I know Corey from pub quizzes, so I know what he's like. He's, uh, yeah, I'm just going to the toilet. <laughs> okay. In Isaiah, they were waiting for amazing signs from God. There'd been a miracle rescue from exile. They'd returned and everything was wasteland. Everything was ruined. Everything was desolate. It was a disaster. And yet they were still wanting amazing signs from God. Signs like they'd had before. Things like they'd seen before. Things that God had done for them before. They were wanting it desperately. They asked for fire. They asked for trembling from the mountains. Earthquakes. They asked for water that boiled. Things that just can't happen on their own. They wanted a miracle. They wanted God to come down. And in fact, their prayer in chapter 64, it's the middle of a prayer, but chapter 64 starts with, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That was the beginning of this part of the prayer. Oh, that you would just come down and sort it out. Any of us feel like that? Yeah? Three of us, that's great. Okay. Oh, that you would come down, God. Oh, that you would come down. That you would rend. Do you know what the word rend means? Split, tear. It's actually quite a violent word. It's not a, a nice sort of, oh, let you would rend the heavens and come down. It's a split apart, tear violently from one piece to the other. Used to mean uh, material or something else that's split as a rock is split. It's not gentle, but powerful. What a powerful name it is we've just sung. Are we waiting for God to move in power? Yeah? Well, do you know what? We need him to move in power in us first. We need to wait for him to move in power in us. And actually, that's got to be our prayer. Don't look outwardly to begin with. Look at us and say, God, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would do something about the situation. Their prayer in Isaiah was for God to come down and leave heaven and join them. Would you agree? This was written 700 years before Jesus, and 700 years after it, Jesus was the answer to that prayer. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, God, that you would come and join us. And that's what happened. 
but they had to wait 700 years. Maybe you don't want to wait that long. Joel isn't with us this morning. He's been pinged, so he's having to isolate. And so as a result, he's got to wait. Anyone else had to isolate recently? And Yeah, yeah. Did you have fun? Nope. I, I have to say, sometimes I think it'd be quite nice to just be able to sit in a room and, and uh, catch up on Netflix. But actually, yeah, after a couple of days, I'm sure the novelty would wear off. So Joel is having to wait, even though he's negative, he's tested negative, he's got to wait. Not 700 years though, could you imagine isolating for 700 years? Yeah, would you like that, Thea? No, 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 don't think so. God, come and join us in our mess, that's the prayer, yeah? Maybe that's your prayer today, God, come and join us in our mess. He already has. God, rend the heavens, tear it apart and come down. Do something in power. And actually, as we read this, the better prayer is not God, join us here, but God, lift me above my mess and walk. let me walk with you. Lift me above my mess and let me walk with you. That's the better prayer. As I looked at this word rend, it led me to two other passages of Scripture. And one of them is in Joel chapter 2, verse 13, and it says this, rend your heart not your garments. Rend your heart, not your garments. What does that mean? Well, when people were mourning or repenting and really sorry for what they'd done or were really sad for something that happened, they would wear sackcloth and ashes. They would literally rip the clothes from off themselves and say, oh, woe is me. In that anger, in that sadness, in that despair, they would tear their clothes and they would rend their clothes to show outwardly their sadness, or to show outwardly their sorry, their sorrow and their repentance. But Joel says to them, it's not the outward stuff that matters. Rend your heart. We sing, don't we, sometimes, break my heart for what breaks yours. Yeah? Do we really mean it? Do we really want broken hearts? But God says, rend your heart. Have that sorrow on the inside. Have that passion on the inside. Allow God to tear and break the old, stubborn, cold, hardened hearts and replace them with a softness and a filling from him. Rend your hearts, not your clothes. He binds the brokenhearted, we read last week. God heals. He brings together the broken. That which has been torn apart, he can put back together again. Make it new. He gives us a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Yet when we go through brokenness, we don't often turn to God, do we? Quite often we turn against God. And yet actually the scriptures regularly say, break your heart. Be broken. Because God can use broken people. Those of you who have been to Spring Mount for quite a long time, a while back we talked about Kintsugi Pottery. Do you know what Kintsugi Pottery is? It's the Japanese way. If you've been watching the Olympics, they showed it again this week, I think, that they do not throw out a broken pot. Okay? They get a broken pot and they fix it with gold and they make something more beautiful out of what was broken. That's God. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He has and he did it to fix the brokenhearted. But sometimes we need to soften before he can fix us. Sometimes we need to break before we can be bonded, before we can be brought back together. Don't turn against God, but turn towards him. Stop with the outward stuff and let's allow him to get deeply internal with us. That's the message. Rend the heavens, rend our hearts. 
The third time it reminded me was in Matthew and in the other Gospels, Matthew 27, verses 50 to 51, describe the end of Jesus' crucifixion. And it says this, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, what happened? The curtain of the temple was torn in two. It was rent. It was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. Is this not the answer to Isaiah's prayer? The earth shook. He asked for earthquakes. The earth shook. The rocks split. The rocks were rent. They were split. They were torn apart. 700 years of waiting. 700 years. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down and show us again your mighty power. He's already done it. And he's done it for you. And he's done it for me. And at that moment that Jesus gave up his last, there was a visible symbol for the people, for the nation of Israel, that they would remember from this book of Isaiah, that what they had asked for has come. Today, what you ask for, if you ask for Jesus in your life, he will come. You don't have to wait 700 years for him to come. He'll come now. He will dwell in you and he will bend he will bend us, but he will, he will mend the brokenhearted. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. There's four key verses in this chapter that I want to look at. One of them is that one, that prayer. Let's not forget, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He has done. Verse four is the next one. It says this, verse four. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen, any God besides you. There's not been evidence of other gods besides you, God. Nobody has shown in their mighty power, in their acts, what you have done. Nobody else has parted the Red Sea. Nobody else has provided food in the desert. Nobody else has done all these amazing things. But who does God act on behalf of? It says, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts. Do you want God to act? who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah's prayer was answered after 700 years. Anyone, any ideas? August the 5th, 2010? Sorry? No? Oh, I can't hear, but I don't think that was the right answer. Sorry. It was like me on the chase all over again. <laughs> August the 5th, 2010. I'll give you a clue. No, it wasn't Liverpool. It hasn't, been, it hasn't been that long. Okay. 33 Chilean miners got stuck underground. You know the story. I've made you wait about 10 minutes for the answer. Some of you probably forgot about what you were waiting for. Some of you are probably like, well, big deal, Johnny. Thanks for telling us. That wasn't, that wasn't really quite as exciting as I was hoping for. I was hoping for something a bit more earth-shattering. But the reason I bring up that story is those Chilean miners were underground, and while they were underground, they thought they were going to be there for a couple of hours, maybe for a couple of days. They had about one tin of tuna, a tin of peaches. They had water from the engine that they used to wash with, so oily water, and they thought we could probably cope for a few hours or a few days. Two days with the supplies they had. They had the threat of starvation. They had anxiety. They were feeling hopeless. They were feeling trapped. The air was running out. There was no water other than the oily machine water. The mountain 
that they were trapped underneath that sat above the mine was 550 feet tall and twice the weight of the Empire State Building. Risky. Any explosions, they'd be buried alive. They believed that they would be rescued. In fact, some of the miners have stated that the grumbling of their stomachs as the days went on made others think there was earthquakes happening because their stomachs were grumbling so loudly. They remained underground for how long? 69 days. Three, two, two months and a bit, two and a half months. 69 days. And in all of that time, it wasn't until 17 days that they had any contact. 17 days of no hope, starving, worried that they were going to die. Survival apparently was less than 2%. Less than 2%. That was the chances. Some of them started to go blind while they were under there. Some of them couldn't see. Apparently, it smelt worse than death because of the sweat, the heat, no air. And they believed God was part of the miracle, and they had to wait. They couldn't do an awful lot. They had to wait. What was happening while they were waiting? What, what was going on while they were waiting? The whole world was working. The whole world was watching. There was organizations. NASA became a part of it. The rescue was on the news almost 24-7. People were desperately trying to get to them. The whole place was trying to do something. But what did they have to do? They had to wait. They had to wait and just cling on to the faith that somebody was working for them. Isaiah says, only God has ever been seen in powerful and miraculous ways. Only God has been seen. But you know, human religion is all about people doing all the work while God watches. It's all about people doing everything while God applauds them. While people, that, that's human, human built religion. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, it's God that works while we wait. It's God that works while we wait. I love those signs that you see sometimes, don't you? Have your hair cut while you wait. Have your ear pierced while you wait. It'd be very difficult to do it any other way, really, wouldn't it? Um, you know, have you ever had anyone leave their ears, Christy? She's not here now. Anyone ever leave their ears at your, service, your, your salon to, to be done? But I think those sort of signs have skewed our opinions and they've skewed our beliefs because we think of waiting as it'll be quite quick. Haircut while you wait, it'll be done in about an hour. You know, if you have to wait longer than about half an hour, you get a bit frustrated, don't you? But God says, wait and I work. God helps those. It says in that verse four, no God has been seen who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. We need to wait on God. Our idea of waiting is short bursts of times. There is no God besides Yahweh. And he acts as we wait. So if you're stuck in desolation, the, the, the nation of Israel was stuck in difficulty, but they waited. They had to wait 700 years. Oh, that he would rend the heavens and come down. And he did. And he's still here today. Are we willing to wait? Because the wait is worth it. Jesus was worth the wait. And what we're waiting for today is worth the wait Second, the next key verse is verse 6. Verse 6 says this, All of us have become like one who is unclean, 
and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Do you know, you've heard the phrase before, there is nothing you can do that will make God love you less. And there is nothing you can do that will make God love you more. It's a very famous saying. Nothing we can do will make God's love go away. There is nothing shall separate us from the love of God. But actually, it says in that passage that even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. It says he comes to the help of those who gladly do right. It doesn't say don't act, don't do anything. He says, but he comes to the help of those who gladly act. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Don't do things out of obligation. Don't do things with the wrong attitude. Rend your heart. <laughs> and have our heart attitude shine out. God loves a cheerful dig, digger, giver, that's wrong. He probably loves a cheerful digger as well, in fairness. So if you work in the cemetery in Barrow, he loves a, loves a cheerful digger, I'm sure. But even our good deeds are like filthy rags. Now, I don't know about you, but my dad and my mum a little bit would get embarrassed about certain subjects that we would talk about. Simon's ever happened to you? No? I'm sure you're not the sort of person who raises some controversial things. But, you know, if there was any conversation at home that uh, my mum used to talk about, go and cut your toenails, okay? And basically, my mum was a family planning nurse. And so she had the talk, the talk, with my sister, because that was her job. But my dad was supposed to talk to me and my brother. So the, the, the joke was, cut, go and, George, go and cut the toenails, Okay. So every night when I get my toenail clippers out, I have to ask Ros to tell me some interesting facts, otherwise it, it, it doesn't work. But it was my dad's job to tell me about the facts of life, okay? We'll, we'll put it there. And it's a bit uncomfortable talking about that. Some of you right now are of a generation where even saying that, you start to squirm because you wonder what I'm going to say next. I remember going into a church uh, down south when Joel was in Bristol, and the, the theme was the, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, but in, in the same passage, it talks about the, the sin of the flesh. And the guy speaking was a lovely old guy, and he, he talked about the fruit of the Spirit and the sins of the flesh. And he said that it talked about sexual impurity and sexual immorality. And he got to that point, and he said, oh, of course, I don't need to mention this because none of us will have a problem with it. And I sat there thinking, I think there's a lot, probably a lot of blokes in this church who would say otherwise. And I think we shy away from subjects because we get embarrassed my dad didn't want to talk to us. He'd never had the talk with me. I've got two children, so I'm obviously okay. My dad never spoke to me. And if we spoke about anything at the tea table, he would just become a bit of a... Just be quiet. Be quiet. Don't, don't talk about that. Okay? Because it was embarrassing. Well, this bit of Isaiah, it says even your good deeds are like filthy rags. Isaiah is helping you to feel a bit more comfortable because the word that's used is actual menstrual cloth. Okay, the filthy rags that Isaiah is talking about is the cloth that the women would use in their time of the month. Some of you are really squirming now that I'm talking about this, I can tell. But actually, we've got to talk about things because they affect us. But these filthy rags were the menstrual cloths that would have been used for the women and then thrown away and burnt. And what does Isaiah say? Even the best you can do is effectively like that because it's not about you. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. It's about him. It's not about good deeds, it's about God deeds. It's not about 
good intentions, it's about God intentions. Let's not be shy to talk about it, but also recognize that if you think today that what you do isn't good enough, it isn't, but actually it's God enough is the question. Is it God enough? Has he rend your heart? Has your heart attitude been right? Have you allowed him to work on you, to mold you, to shape you? Because it's God attitude, not good attitude that we need. Unclean, better not spoken about, and it's not something you want to display in public. So even our good deeds are something that perhaps we don't want to talk about. It's about the waiting, and he will come. Not good enough? None of us are. But Jesus was, and Jesus is, and Jesus forever will be. Yeah? That's what Isaiah is saying. Key verse number three. Verse 8, yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. How do you feel about being molded this morning? I nearly did a bit of chemistry this morning just to, to, to sort of get some value for money out of my degree. But uh, you know, a solid has got very strong molecular bonds, whereas a liquid, it's slightly more relaxed. A solid, it's very difficult, it vibrates. A liquid moves into the shape of the container. And I was going to say, you know, God, as he pours into us, takes up our shape. But actually, that's not the way around it needs to be. Have you ever done clay at school? Yeah? Have you ever done pottery? Yeah? Put your hands up, because I, I want to see some interaction. Okay, a few people. Yeah, when you did pottery at school, what did you make? What was the first thing you made? An ashtray, an ashtray. My parents didn't smoke. We made an ashtray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we made an ashtray. What a great example to set in school, okay? Yeah, we're going to do pottery today. Let's make an ashtray. Oh, can't use it. We'll have to encourage the parents to smoke just so that they can. What do you make an ashtray? It was a pottery ashtray. And did it look rubbish? Yeah, yeah, it looked absolutely rubbish. And you'd spend ages putting your fingers in and, and, and doing this with it and perhaps putting some little things on the side. And it just looked like the same lump of clay, but a little bit different shape. Yeah? That is an example of our lives in some ways because this passage is very much about being saved and about being shaped. When you get that lump of clay, it's really new and fresh. There's something about a new and fresh piece of clay, isn't there? But actually, after a few turns of smashing it on the table and then battering it down and then pressing it and pressing it and going, that's rubbish, start again. It becomes a bit hard, doesn't it? And actually, if you left it on the side overnight, it actually becomes unmoldable, yeah? Because the air starts to set it. Some of us are a bit like that. We've actually tried to mold ourselves and we've ended up with a bit of a rubbish ashtray. We've ended up with something that's not massively different from what we started with. And actually, the longer we stay in that shape and that form, we become hardened to the person who's the master potter, the person who can actually do something about it. This passage is about being saved and shaped. Oh, Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Don't remember our sins forever, it says. Don't be angry. And then it says, how can we be saved? We can be saved because he rent the heavens and came down. And he remembers our sin no more. That's what it's all about. But then once we're saved, what happens next? We need to be shaped. 
We need to wait for the Lord to come down. He has done. So rend your heart and accept him. But we are the clay. You are the potter. When I tried being a potter, I made a shambles of it. Anyone else? Yeah? Made a shambles of it. Stop trying to be the potter in your life. Stop trying to be the one that shapes everything and allow him to be the potter. It says you're the clay. You're the raw materials. You're the one that is ready to be made, even if it is into an ashtray. Bobby's parents and Bobby Pratt smoked. It was useful for them. Yeah? It wasn't useful for my family because I made it and it was rubbish. But if I allow God to be the potter, if I allow God to shape the clay, then actually I will become something that is worthwhile, something that is beautiful, even if sometimes it gets a bit broken. Because that potter puts, puts his gold and fixes us back together. He binds the broken hearted. If I, was a, if I made a shambles of being the potter, why do I think I'm the best person to shape my life? God has proved again and again and again that he is good. That he has rent the heavens and come down. That he has appeared amongst us and showed us what we need. So stop being the potter. We are the clay. Are we soft and malleable? Are we moldable? Are we teachable? Are we willing to hear others? Are we willing to hear what God wants? Do you know, that clay goes through pressure to become the final thing, doesn't it? It goes through pressure. It goes through heat, a furnace, in order to become what it needs to become. So when we're going through this desolation, this wilderness, this difficulty, maybe it's the pressure and the heat that is molding you to be the person you need to be. I do think sometimes people think that I stand up here and I've got an easy life. You know, I do have quite an easy life because Ros is really good. But we've had a really tough week this week, really tough week as a family. And I'm not going to go into details, but actually I want you to pray for, for, for Chloe's boyfriend's family because it's been a horrendous week. I'm not going to share it with you. I know there are people in this room who've also had horrendous weeks, and I know that we need to pray. We're not called to be perfect. We're not called to be able to stand up and be funny and whatever else, but we're called to be clay. We're called to be moldable. We're called to be changeable. We're called to be willing to be soft enough to be shaped are you soft enough to be shaped do you recognize what God wants to do or are we hard and cold what are we waiting for are you waiting for God to come down and show you he already has he already has last no not the last verse <laughs> yes it is that was the last verse last verse I want to read Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus has come in power. He's died on a cross for the sin of the world. He's risen again, defeating death. Death could not hold him. The veil tore before him. He silenced sin and death. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says to his disciples before he leaves them, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Isaiah's nation waited 700 years for the prayer to be answered. Jesus said to his disciples, go and wait. And they were scared, they were broken, they were probably feeling very lost, but they waited. They did as God said. And as they waited, what happened? These simple fishermen and tax collectors, unclean people, people who were un, un, unimportant, were filled with the Spirit of God. And they became the church. And we are here today because they waited. What are you waiting for? Maybe in 700 years, somebody could say, I'm here because other people waited. Other people prayed. Other people knew that it's the power of God in our lives. He is the potter. Are you allowing him to be the potter? Are you allowing him to shape you? Wait, why? Because there is more. Wait, why? Because he will come in power. What's God's promise? While we wait, he never stops working. While we wait, he never stops working. While we wait, he never stops working. Whatever week you've had, whatever month you've had, whatever year you've had, wait on him. Turn your eyes to him. Allow him to shape what happens next. Be soft enough to hear him and to allow him to work. Let's pray. Let's just wait, actually. Just as we wait, I just want you to sit and just, just where you are, you can stand if you really want to, if you want to, if you want to really say to God, God, I, I really want to wait on you for my life. But I want you just to open out your, your hands and just say, God, I want to receive from you. And it might be that we, we do this today before him and actually we still have to keep coming before him daily to wait on his strength, to wait on his power. just want to invite you to just open yourself and say, God, rend my heart. Chip off the hard, stony bits. Chip off the things that have gone dry and unbendable. Remove the things, the, stone, the stony nature of my heart. And replace it with your heart of flesh. And just, Father God, Holy Spirit, come. Fall afresh. Fall afresh. I 
I just think, yeah. If the word empty is just coming, coming back to me again and again. So if, that, if there's anyone here who just feels empty today, I think we just want to pray that God will just fill you. So if, that, if that's you, I'm just going to ask every, just everyone to bow their heads. If you want to just say to God, God, I'm empty, I need you, just stand where you are and, and reach your hands out. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Just reach your hands out just to receive from him. Let's just pray for these guys. Father, I just pray. If those that are near anyone who is stuck, just reach out a hand just to pray for them as well. Just pray over them. Father, you know these guys' situation. You know their hearts. You know their situation. You know the, the rubble that perhaps they stand in this morning. You know the, the disappointments, the distractions. And Father God, I just ask in the name of Jesus, that you fill them to overflowing, that you pour out your spirit in a fresh way. Father God, that they will know that they can be filled to the fullness of Jesus by your spirit. Father, I just pray that as they wait, even as we worship, as they wait, that you will just overflow in their hearts, their minds, their souls. Father God, that they may love you with all that they are. Father God, I ask that you show them your love your power, your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. And I just ask that you fill them to overflowing with the spirit and the presence of Jesus so that they may go through knowing that they're ready to be changed, ready to be shaped. Help them to stop being the potters in their own life. Father God, help them to be the clay. In Jesus' name.